0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Ray, and I'm in different surroundings today. I'm still joined by Tyro Marshall. Hello, I'm Samuel Looker. Hello, we've been uh, we've been moved. One of the other deadline day deals you might not have heard about is we've been kicked out of our usual podcast studio. We're in this uh, what's oh, crew. Strange, isn't it? I mean,
0: yes. It, I feel like I'm Lee Sharp trying to use the corner flag as a microphone at the diamond. moment. It, it's all very similarly, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's weird. We've got faux brick wallpaper on one side, a green screen behind Tyrone and Samuel there. Some very interesting lights here. I'm not sure what they are. They're almost like Christmas baubles. It's a
2: very makeshift. a lot going on. I presume this green screen is for our uh, headshots for uh, the MEN a side team. Yeah, mate, well, we or, walk out with like, our arms around. folded. To- I thought I was going to segue on something quite lately.
0: Like, it was as makeshift as United. I was trying to
1: get to that, but he jumped in. Yeah, his- uh, should we start again? No, it's okay. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep flowing. Um, but yeah, it's as makeshift as, a, as, as a performances lately. Like and the weekend, you both had the displeasure of being at Old Trafford. God,
0: that was boring, wasn't it? It. It was very. Very soporific. Uh, I've, I've got a real hatred of Manchester United Wolves games now. I think that's seven in the last 17 months. And of course, they're going to draw each other in the Europa League. And as Ty said, they'll play each other in the, the Asian Trophy, probably in pre-season as well. Uh, the thing about it is that it was such a, a bad game. You thought, how how could it get worse? And then it did with some of the things Solskjaer said after the game. And you sat there and sometimes, as as lazy as it sounds, you think, Chris, is, is there any point even asking him a question? Because I i, I really don't know what to make of, of that other than, you know, the, the Fernandez thing was all taken care of. And, of course, he's asked certain questions and he comes out with things like, you know, it's how difficult it is to... Um to break down Wolves and then of course people seize on that and latch on that and it's well Southampton scored two against them Brighton scored two against them everybody in the Premier League has scored against them apart from Leicester I think it is who play against them next week and you would imagine they'll score at least once games them
1: that was a caveat that was the first game of the
0: season less than Watford, uh, Watford it, and it was wasn't so. it yeah <laughs> so so there you have it and then there are other things he says about how he's delighted with Anthony Marshall and I think he's probably the only one who's delighted with Anthony Marshall at the moment and unfortunately for Soski he just has this knack of being overly positive about bad results and ultimately United have ended the weekend 7th in the Premier League they're below Sheffield United again um Tottenham obviously had a very, very good result, and in, in a far more enthralling game than the one United had on on Saturday. And really, he, he's he's got to he's got to address that balance. I mean, he's not going to address that balance in the next two weeks. I mean, the, the winter break was not meant for him having uh, press conference tutorials, but that that was arguably more of a talking point than absolutely anything that happened in the game. Ty,
1: I I guess the caveat is that some fans say, yeah, it was Wolves at home, a point's not necessarily a bad result, but even as you were saying in the office before, Wolves could finish worse off this season than they did last season, and the Mm -hmm. Premier League's there for the taking. Whether you like it or not, you inspired by a new signing. There's a real feel-good atmosphere before kick-off. At least United fans thinking finally they've got their man. But straight away, the, the actual performance United never looked like they were getting going. Yes, it was positive. Bruno Fernandes having these shots, but they weren't creating
2: anything. No, they weren't. I mean, he, he had he had five shots, but I'm not sure anything really looked like going in. I mean, obviously, when he has have any shots from distance, they will go in, and they were. A couple of them were decent chances but beyond that I think United had 15 shots and Marshall and James didn't have one between them and those are the two players probably likely to get in the best positions to to take a shot and score which kind of tells you where United's chances were, were coming from um, I mean Sarsgaard, as Sammy was saying Sarsgaard said after the game that United were doing all the, the pressing and they were but Wolves just looked happy to soak it up Wolves looked like they could have carried on playing there and defended all day feels like could still be playing now and United wouldn't have scored and Wolves would probably eventually have taken a chance on the counter-attack and you know Wolves Wolves' threat did kind of diminish a little bit and the last 20 minutes it was United that were you felt were kind of hunting the victory but you never felt you never felt it was coming there was no like sustained spell of pressure and it all just felt it all just felt very very comfortable for Wolves Samuel on
1: Bruno Fernandes. What did you make of his uh, his debut, his long-awaited debut? Um, encouragement, definitely something different in midfield, but uh, hard to tell really from that showing just how good he will
0: be. It, he was he was decent. Uh, I think he got the the man the match award from the the United Twitter account, um, which. You know, just kind of said it all really. That there was bound to be a, a real sense of positive, a real wave of positivity um, surrounding him actually just playing for United. Uh, it had been, you know, so long in the post and the supporters had a couple of chants about him uh, as well. I think even before he had a, actually had a kick in the game. It, it, I think what was positive about him was that he was always looking to find, you know, that forward pass, trying to make something happen. The, the trouble was, as Sosko actually, I mean, I kind of hooked my piece on it and I think the. The one thing that I was pleased at Salska said afterwards was that it kind of corroborates it and that there was just not enough movement ahead of him. Um, Marshall, on one occasion, was told to get back to the middle because he... Gone out left, which was kind of ironic in that he's someone who wanted the number nine shirt back and wants to be a centre forward. And in in recent weeks, he's looked like he he's a bit too timid. He doesn't want to actually come up against centre halves. Um, but Fernandez was was I mean he was he was fine. I think that 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 nasty side to him, if you like, and that he's he's got you know quite a tendency to get booked. He, he, he got another yellow card there. Uh, but United, I think, need a bit of needle about them because they can be pushovers at times. I mean in, in Daniel James's case he he was a literal pushover again on Saturday. So it's an encouraging start, but you there's only so much you can read into it due to I mean no Rashford, no McTominy, no um no Pogba it made it to be seen how often those two will play alongside each other. Uh so it, he he did well considering the circumstances and I don't think I mean I certainly didn't see any hatchet jobs on him and it would have been pretty contrary if, if anybody actually did bother with a hatchet job as well because he did as I said he did reasonably well.
1: Ty we'll come to both of you on this one but with Bruno Fernandes, there you both already hinted that maybe going forward. What do you think is United's best midfield selection? I know we've all written the, this piece, we contribute mm. to a piece that will be on the MEN now about what we think United's strongest 11 is. But Pogba, Fernandes, and then is it Fred and or do you put the caveat that Pogba, Pogba won't play? Well,
2: I mean, Pogba was, was in the selector we use, you have to include. Pogba but the reality is you know I mean he may not who knows when he's going to be fit it's been a complete mystery for a long time now hasn't it and you would have to think well, will he ever play for United again He's. it would be astonishing if he didn't leave in the summer so how often they play together as Samuel said is remains to be seen it, going forward I mean it, it's difficult to say this season presuming Pogba is still going to be out for a little while it, if you take Pogba out of the equation you'd say the best midfielders McTominay Fred Fernandes <laughs> for me Going forward, I think you need at least one more body in there. I think you need one more, slightly more defensive midfield. It all depends where Sosco wants to play Fernandez. I think one of the issues on Saturday was that he played in an advanced role first half and then played in a defensive role. Which which role
1: do you think he's better in?
2: I think he can play both, depending on the opposition. I think he probably looked more of a threat in the advanced role. I think it just shows United issues in midfield. I mean, what they really needed was two Bruno Fernandez's to to play either role. Um, So I think. This season, if you've got McTominay back, I think ideally you'd have McTominay and Fred sitting and Fernandez further forward. Going forward, if you can get a Madison or a Grealish this summer, I think you'd have Madison in that advanced role and you'd have Fernandez alongside Fred or McTominay at the moment or another signing and, and Fred and McTominay become squad players. Two can one. Very, very good <laughs> squad players at like that.
1: Just like that. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I mean...
0: Uh, more or less, yeah. Um, I think <laughs> for, for the time being, I think he might have to play as the as the ten because. They haven't got anyone anywhere near good enough to play that role. M- matter can be from time to time, but again, as Ty said, it, it really is dependent on on the opposition. I think come the Chelsea game in uh, in two weeks' time, then you'd say play Fernandez as the ten, and it will probably be Fred and McTominay as the as, as the two midfield, not McTominay, Matic as the two midfielders. Um, so it, it, again, it was it was dif- it was difficult to tell from that game at the weekend which position is he is best suited to, It does raise more questions about the United transfer strategy that they sign a player and within one game they've played him in two different positions. Now I know that was that was a consequence of the way the game was developing because they just weren't harming Wolves whatsoever. And Solskjaer thought that they got a bit more joy playing Fernandez deeper. and Fair enough, you you need that tactical flexibility as well. But he did say, I mean, you, you were there on Carin- at Carrington on Friday. He, 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 pretty much said he didn't know what his best position was that, that's that's quite disconcerting for someone who you've signed clearly to improve the first 11 and, and some, to go straight into the team
1: and someone that soldier says they've been tracking for so long they've wanted it for so long but you've wanted a player that you don't know where, where you're going to use him
0: exactly um, again, I, I maintain. I think part of the reason they signed Fernandez this month—sorry, not this month, last month now—was that it was part appeasement. In the, you know, fans were threatening all sorts. I mean, the walkout—I didn't really give it much so much oxygen last week because it seemed a bit seemed a bit hollow anyway, and it never materialised. You would have blamed people for walking out of a game like that. But it's amazing what signing can do. I mean, football fans. I mean, I know we get accusations of, of being fickle, but football fans take it to a new level. It's one or two new signings and everything's hunky-dory again. Um, But again it just raises further questions and I'm sure we'll you know, get on to the other matters as well which also raise further questions about the recruitment but I mean he, he is an upgrade on, on what they've got um, and that's even with all the mitigation of him coming from a league which is is, is pretty barren to say the least.
1: Time one of the maybe, few positives to say from the weekend was it was quite a good defensive performance yeah. at times and Traore and Jimenez did cause problems for Wolves but Lindelof and Maguire's partnership looking better wan was good the was decent at times as well uh, what have you made of United
2: to back for as of late uh, a lot better actually I wrote a piece of the Arsenal game on New Year's Day and was quite critical of them being a 150 million pound defence or whatever it was and they just didn't look They didn't look like a unit at that point at all but they have improved a lot I think recently I thought Maguire and Lindelof were really good on Saturday, and that they defended really well, made really good decisions, but they did it in such an unfussy way that it didn't really catch the eye. There's a couple of times where long balls went towards Jimenez competing with Maguire, and Maguire just brushed them aside, chested them down, headed to a teammate, and it was all just really sensible and calm defending that a lot of the time you see a defender catching the eye it's because there has been a mistake somewhere else a lot of time an eye-catching defender making a late tackle is because he's messed up somewhere else but they both just did things in a really sort of uncomplicated way um, Lindelof's interception from Jimenez in the first half and, and getting in front of him when he had a really good chance from Doherty's low cross was another example of it I thought Shaw did really well against Traore and at that back four you can kind of see the promise long term now I still think there's an issue with Shaw and Wambasaka going forward I don't think they get enough from their full backs going forward at all I think that needs to, to improve, That needs to be major part of the process for those two in the summer if they're the long-term fullbacks.
1: how Uh, do you think I mean this is a difficult question but do you think that's just down to the players themselves having to learn how to attack more do you think that's a tactical change that can happen or do you think maybe the wingers ahead of them need to bring them into play more I
2: I think I think they need to develop their games better going forward Um, I mean if you're playing if you're playing inverted wingers and there should be space to get around but it doesn't look when they both have the ball in the final third it doesn't look particularly natural to me at the moment, like they've done. I mean, I know Wambasaka was a former winger, but I think we all wonder how he ever played that position. I think
1: I could have played for that too. Yeah, when he gets right, to the final third, good. he
2: looks uncertain and at the same to a certain extent we're sure. And in, in this day and age, fullbacks are a major, major threat going forward. The very best teams, as we've seen with Liverpool this year, as we've seen with City in the past, with Pep, Barcelona, the best teams have threat from full-back and you don't really feel that we're United at the moment they're good defensively but I think they need to offer more in the final third whether that's just through practice you know they're they're both young enough to bring that side of their game on and wan has improved gradually this season but if they can add that then I think there's there's the makings of a a good back four then I thought the two centre-backs were very good the only interesting
0: thing that happened during that game or get things were what Solskjaer was trying to convey to certain players and Shaw on one occasion was told to move further forward. But the way they go about it, the co- the United coaching staff, it does give the impression that they've not been coaching this all week. It's almost as if in the spur of the moment they think, right, push up now, come on, let, let's try this. Uh, Luke, come on, push up, you know, do do that. Um they, nothing seems to be rehearsed whatsoever, which which is problematic. And I mean, I think going off what you said about the, um, with us picking our strongest 11 when everyone's available, I've, I've still gone with Williams because I think Shaw's, I don't know if you can call it a resurgence as such, but he's, he's looked more comfortable as the third centre-back. He still doesn't look like he's got the energy levels to be a proper... Back, especially in, in in attack, whereas Williams has looked a little bit more natural going forward. Um, as, as Ty said, I mean, with, with Wan-Bissaka, how they, you know, 804 right backs, and they did home in on the one who really is, you know, quite a fair way behind when it comes to the, the attacking side of his game. Although he was, you know, he was, he was probably a little bit unlucky at the end not to get an assist with the cross for Dallo, but it was almost as if United players were... were quite surprised that wan managed to get the cross in the first place
1: yeah you talk about how uh, maybe wan might have been on that 800 man list I'm sure we'll get to the striking options that must be a bumper on the list <laughs> when we get to that but uh, I guess this is probably time for our, our half-time teaser in the podcast uh, I'm going to ask you this question we'll bring you the answer after the break four United players have won a Premier League Player of the Month award who are they? we'll be back after the short break Hello and welcome back to the Manchester's Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, I left Cy? Si- si? I tried to say Ty and Samuel, but I made the mystery third man. Uh, <laughs> Ty and Samuel with the question: Four current United players have won a Premier League Player of the Month award. Can you name them? Should we do it one,
2: one each again? St- or? Yeah, let's All go.
1: I didn't say that. <laughs>
2: okay. see so. will um, I go first? Yeah. Rashford. Correct.
1: Marshall, correct. Two out of two.
2: Maguire,
1: no. Um, Crikey, I thought of this over the weekend. Did did the independent research myself, so if there's
0: any errors, Um, I'm I'm not sure if you're meaning that he counts, but Sanchez, no. (laughs) Although I must say I've overlooked
1: him. So (laughs) So it might be be (laughs) five. Do you,
2: I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Lingard.
1: No. That would have been a hell of a
2: month. Yeah. <laughs> he's had some good months. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had more bad ones than good ones. But
0: um, Not Pogba. Correct. <laughs> no,
2: I, I, I'm, I'm... No,
1: correct, it's not Pogba. Oh, correct, it's not Pogba. De Gea hasn't, has he? No, he's not, surprisingly. Eric Bailly? No. <laughs> Right, just I I give in Well, the two The two other players Did not win them In their times at United Uh, Oh, matter Why matter? Three out of three Can we get the The full house? If I tell you that I made up the question on Friday night, that might give you some hints. Odio Nogalo. Oh, correct. <laughs> wow. And we will go nicely on to Odio Nogalo now. That's say quite nicely. I still can't quite believe he's a Manchester United player. Uh, Flew for his medical this weekend. Will be confirmed maybe by the time this podcast's out. But, uh, yeah, Nogalo, what were your first reactions to that?
0: Uh, I think it, it, it got to the point where it just wasn't a surprise because... <laughs> this is United um, the fact that they went for Joshua King I think in some ways was actually maybe more embarrassing in that it's former United Academy graduate who is Norwegian who Solskjaer came across when he was reserve coach who really is, is just not good enough for United should never have actually ever been considered as a striker option by United but, but was um, with Agalo uh, United have tried to spin it in a positive way as you would and in fairness they did get a striker in Tottenham didn't Chelsea didn't they are possibly their two main competitors for for the top four Uh, Tottenham did you know, make a, a late move for Galo, but he chose to join United. So um, I, I wouldn't quite say it's a coup as such. I think you'll have to wait until the end of the season mm. to to describe it as as a coup. But it, there's no pressure on him as well. I think even though he's got a lot of pressure on him at the same time, in that you're going for the FA Cup, Europa League, trying to finish in the top four. But the pressure is all on Solskjaer and on Woodward. I mean, Woodward kind of like dismissed the Chinese market a few years ago, saying that you know it'd be a useful market to sell players too and their United have gone raiding it for a desperate last minute loan deal he's not played since I think early December in the Chinese Cup final um, and Solskjaer has has had the gall to say look we need to give him time to settle well his loan deal could literally last three months I know United said it's a six month loan technically I think it is five months but I think the Chelsea the Chelsea game where he can make his debut that's on the 17th of February the last league game of the season is the 17th of May unless United get to one of the two finals that they're looking to get to uh, it could literally be a three month loan deal and in, in a way I, I kind of like feel not not feel sorry for him as such but some people are clearly going to make the look at what you could have had in Erling Haaland and look what you've ended up with it is a daft comparison and uh, I mean Haaland's got seven goals already I I don't think I think Igalo will have done well if he gets five goals Um, just that's that's the low level of expectation there and that is on Woodward and it's also on Solskjaer and I think you know the, the game is up now with Woodward this whole thing about he has nothing to do with recruitment and uh he just signs off the deals and there you've got uh Igalo's agent saying that I spoke to the top boss that's that they were those were his words and the Norwegian newspaper he spoke to clarified that the top boss was was Woodward so he's, he's still very much involved in recruitment as we all suspect as we suspected all along but you know I think one thing United certainly do excel at um, in the post-Ferguson era is passing the buck. Ty, it's great to see,
1: though, a player who's supporting United's whole life finally get the, the chance to play for the club. And, you know, it generally does mean that to him. But what role do you think he actually will play at United? I've seen some fans saying, who needs a Haaland? We've got a Galo. I know that's tongue-in-cheek. But, what? What? I mean, United need goals. They need someone who can actually mm. spearhead their mm. attack. They look so
2: lacking a leader up front. Um, yeah, I think... I, I don't think he'll... St- I think he'll start more games on the bench than games he'll start, to be honest. Um, I think Martial will continue to be the first-choice striker. Agallo can, can come off the bench for him, can offer another option, can perhaps play in European games and, and give him a rest. But, I mean, the other option is you move Martial back out to the left, but... I think that will be a surprise given Solskjaer has pretty much nailed his colours to the mast in, in wanting Martial as his main centre-forward. I think when United were looking for a forward, I think the more ideal option would have been someone who could have played all those roles because the player most in need of a rest in the front three at the moment is Daniel James. Yet Aldi Nogalo is not going to come in and play on the right wing, is he? Or the left wing, particularly. He is a number nine, a centre-forward. So the option is to move Martial. I don't think he'll do that. I think Agarlo is an option. He's good to come in, perhaps in, in some cup games and to come off the bench for Martial, but I don't think he'll be starting every week. And you know, it, it is good that United have got, <clears throat> you know, the, you can spin it in a positive way that they've got a body in when they clearly needed some extra, you know, some extra help and attack. But I mean, the fact it's ever come to this is a bit of a... a Tragedy of the modern day Manchester United, really isn't it? That we've signed in Odion Egalo on loan. I mean, can you ever have imagined this two or three years ago?
1: Well, even in his prime at Watford, there were loose links with big clubs. But
2: you know, this laughed off. Very loose. Yeah.
1: These are this is a player who might have been. He was great in the Championship. He was great in his first season, and then went twelve it's, games without yeah. a goal. has
2: vanished from view in
1: China. Got a new five-year contract at Watford and scored one Premier League goal the season afterwards you know
0: what I mean and he's absolutely... not played in the Premier League for three years yeah. went to China didn't he yeah um, <laughs> I mean I, I really would love to know what the odds were at the time that uh, it was clear that Lukaku wanted out the odds on United signing Ojo Nogalo were but the problem is I don't think any bookmakers would would have had him anywhere near on their list because why would you but that—that's the—that's—that's that's just how awfully it reflects on United in that they—they they had about ten months. It's been ten months since they knew that Lukaku wanted out. Um, I think uh, us guys covering the club knew in April. Lukaku said last week or whenever it was that he told Saskia and in March. So they had so much, you know, they had such forewarning that he wanted out and was going to go, and they didn't replace him, and they've signed a striker. But I think they must be the only club that could sell a striker, sign a striker, without replacing the striker they've sold, if that makes any sense. Because they've even said, look, Galo, it, it is short term. It's, it's a loan. There is no option to buy there. And it's just staggering. It, <sighs> it is staggering still. I think uh, that they-, they have actually exceeded expectations in that they have surprised everyone by scraping the barrel a little bit more going beyond the barrel in fact and I mean we t- t- they, they were talking about this cultural reset and everything and in the end all they've done is they've said Ole does Jim know anybody who might be a decent striker he goes to his it's agent looking, it's not looking for
1: an excellent body for five sides
0: isn't it it is it really is It's I mean you should write, write it do it Um it, it's almost as if they went to Jim back and, and he said I've got a pal who I know from um back in the day and he helped me get Anders Lindegaard to Man United he's got a load of Nigerian and, and Norwegian clients that that was when I thought you know when the alarm bell started going off when I saw that Igalo's agent had like massive Norwegian connections and there's a very good piece on um I think is it Josimar football website Norwegian football website that they did uh a few years ago about back and um and just you know questionable things. Uh, that go on there in terms of um, you know how an agent operates, and of course Atanike, who uh, is a Galo's agent, um, mediated on the the Lindegård deal um 10 years ago and, and I, I don't think he did on Mammy Buram Djuf but that was a sole back and arrangement of course uh, Djuf played uh, under Solskjaer on the United Reserves and I think Solskjaer kind of like kind of part of his all that arrangement so for all this cultural reset the emphasis on youth I can I, they they weren't going to sign a 23 year old striker in the January transfer window but the fact that it has come to this is an embarrassment and unless Agalo, you know, turns out to be a decent signing then they're not going to get away with this and I suspect they won't get away with this either
1: Ty it usually takes about a month to get a player finally signed though Are you impressed they managed to do it in a day? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I guess that's the bonus isn't it I mean they have signed in without actually having a medical so I mean let's not celebrate too wildly just yet but um, but yeah, I mean, they needed a body, and they got a body. That's about as positive as you can say for it. They got someone who has scored goals in the Premier League. It doesn't make him sound like he's
0: dead when you say he's got a body. He's like got a body. Thing. Yeah. Did is it? I was, I was told by someone at United that because it's a loan deal, he doesn't have to have a medical. Yeah, I
1: think there was. I mean, I haven't got the thoughts about it. But technically, you don't need a medical. But I'm pretty, medical. pretty sure Premier League regulation is that especially they have to. when you've
0: come from a country which yeah, is so it's been um, beset by hmm. you know pretty much a nationwide I'm, epidemic. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not too sure on that, but. you, you think a 30 year old
1: striker surely needs to have a medical yeah, I mean, don't, just to, what, I mean just we should have researched
2: see, this before the podcast but yeah, what are the regulations on medical I'm pretty just,
1: sure you have to because of the underlying heart conditions and stuff that the Premier League invested in sort of promoting and, I suppose so yeah you think it's more it, it
2: would feel
0: daft not to advice. just not to have one yeah but that's what someone like high up at United said, they said he doesn't need to have a medical if it's a loan deal yeah. but you'd you think you've got to have those those checks somewhere along the line
1: we'll wait and see we'll wait and see how he plays against Chelsea first before you start digging up his uh, injury record and stuff like that but uh, Ty as Samuel said earlier it's been a, a a big weekend again in the top four United yet again I know you put that stat on Twitter is it nine times now or eight, eight times
2: eight or last nine times Chelsea have dropped points United have dropped points in the same game week do you think top four's done now yes we um, said it was the other week the, the, they're not good enough are they I mean I know Chelsea aren't great but Chelsea will pick up enough wins at least Chelsea you know, you can see some promise in Chelsea and they have these good wins they won away at Tottenham they've had some impressive results a draw at Leicester is not a bad result for, for Chelsea so you know United just aren't good enough forget top four I'd be more focused on getting top six to be honest because they've got a real tough run of fixtures coming up just, I mean Crystal Palace are only five points behind them I would be more concerned with with looking at top six now and, and trying to make sure this doesn't get away from United and turn into an embarrassment to be honest
0: The Europa League is the route to salvation for all of us so we don't have to have it next year as well um, I think Burnley was the, the final straw there in that that was just such a board, not borderline gimme but not far off it in that you, you're coming up against a team like that at home you, you should be you know you should be winning it um, it ir- was irrespective of Burnley's record at Old Trafford recently, and they bottled it. They, they, this team, this squad, just do not have it in them to get to that level of even capitalising on a very erratic Chelsea team who are only fourth. I thought at the start of the season that whoever finished fourth would effectively earn it by. By default, because there were just there were just too many teams that were in in disarray. And I mean, fairness to Leicester, they've they've had a terrific season, and um, they're gonna they're gonna qualify for the Champions League. They're probably gonna finish third as well. But that point still stands with that fourth place side. I mean, Chelsea have been been dire for two months now. I think um, just dropping points left, right, and centre. And Nobody can, nobody's can. nobody got it in them to, to catch them. I, I, I'm not convinced Tottenham will either. I know Tottenham had a terrific result against City, but that was a very simple game in that as soon as the red card happened, City lost their way. Tottenham did very well to seize on their frailties and, and they won the game, but I still wouldn't be confident of Tottenham. You know? Catching up Chelsea and overtaking them. Perhaps it's all down to Sheffield United. We shall see. <laughs> Sheffield United, maybe. Cody and the
1: Garland might have a few things to say. Ty, uh, where do you think United actually will finish this season? Um,
2: Sixth or seventh.
1: Who, who do you have ahead of them then? Do, 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 you, do you think
2: Tottenham, Sheffield United, do you think Wolves? Uh, top four, Tottenham, definitely. Um, and then. Um, I mean, you've got to think Sheffield United are going to fall away slightly at some point. Wolves maybe, but they've got the Europa League coming up as well. They've already played a lot of games. Perhaps one of those two, but then the chasing pack are beginning to close in on United as well. It's just, I mean, those teams are so inconsistent that it really is difficult to call. And we were talking this morning how tight it is in that sort of mid-table area. I mean, United built up a bit of a gap in fifth not so long ago. That's obviously been eradicated now by the fact they're 7th and like I say Chris, I think Crystal Palace are 13th, 14th something like that and are only 5 points behind so you know there really is not not much in it and with that with the fixture <coughs> United have got coming up it, it could be that they enter you know they enter the last 10 games of the season down in 8th or ninth, needing to make up ground it's not not inconceivable that that is the case Although with this United they could go and win at Chelsea in two weeks and we're talking about top four again and wondering if there's some faint hope of uh, a miracle.
1: I'll get the questions ready. Uh Samuel, winter break now though for United. Well we call it the winter break, it's February, it's quite actually quite a nice day in Manchester. It's about nine degrees and it's grey, so that tells you all about that. But do you think it's come at a good time for United? They look absolutely knackered, don't they?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean whatever happened to this grand plan of let's get them fitter let's make them run more let's get them playing out from the back pressing that just went all to pot very very quickly uh, with the, the injuries in March Sorry, not March. I Don't know what I was talking about. March. I think that was that was when that was the month. Solskjaer, peaked. Um But in August, Shaw and um, Marshall obviously went down with muscle injuries in, in the Palace game, third game of the season, and they've just not had the what, what, whatever is there first choice 11 it's not really been available since those those first two or three games of the season and you have to raise questions about that I mean they didn't replenish the squad properly enough in the summer which is obviously a symptom of some of these injuries that um, that they've had uh, certain players have been overplayed and have played more than they expected like Daniel James but then you've got questionable decisions made by the coaching staff and the medical staff Scott McTominay does his I think it's fair to say, in the second or third minute against Newcastle, and he's not brought off for 40-odd minutes later, um, and he's he's out until... It's looking like late February now, because Solskjaer said that uh, he won't be in the training camp in, in Marbella. It's, I think we all think it's Marbella. For some reason, the club won't say, um, as if it's a state secret, but he's not going to be in Marbella. Pogba isn't either, which again, is another interesting addition to his injury time frame in that, I think on the 15th, he was struck down ill, plays on the 22nd, plays on the 26th. Come the 28th at Burnley, he's not right to play, uh, but Solskjaer says he should go to Arsenal. Come for New Year's Eve, he doesn't travel to Arsenal. New Year's Day, Solskjaer says, this is very long-winded, but it, there is a point to it. On New Year's Day, Solskjaer says he's out for three or four weeks. Um, that, that time has passed, he by the sound of things he's not going to play against Chelsea in two weeks so it'll have been around about six weeks um you know Solskjaer does really help himself with his fibs frankly I mean there's a there's a better word to use but the amount of times he is not transparent with team news injury news um, transfer news even I mean the stuff he was saying about Rojo he you know he expected him to stay he's 99 percent sure players would stay well it, it, it's got to the point now where he does not he, there, there are times where you think does this guy actually know what he's talking about or is he just is it is it just educated guesswork I mean when I asked him about the Manu Matthews contract situation last week he didn't seem to realise that you know about having a conversation they have talks well, you, you don't need to you just just trigger the one year option and you've got him until 2021 he's always play football manager. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly options, so, so um, it, he doesn't help himself with some of the things he says and obviously they have got a A media consultant on board now, and uh, I know I joked about him probably not taking time to finesse his press conference delivery, but I think he really needs to prepare more for them.
1: But I know it's maybe not a But even when we were when when I was working at Wrexham in the non-league, when Sam when when we had a manager came in, he hired a media consultant to come in and and review his press conferences at non-league level. Just, yeah. to, just to give him guidance and yeah. like you said Solskjaer things might not be going his way but he's certainly not helping himself with what he's saying is he?
0: No no not at all uh, and, and as I said you, you have to it's got to the point now where I might as well put when I'm doing my write-ups and lines from press conference where rather than Solskjaer said it's Solskjaer claimed because yeah. it's more often than not it, it is a claim it's it, it really has it has gone too far with that I think if you were with Ferguson obviously he did he just did downright lie about a lot of things but he had the clout to get away with it uh, Solskjaer doesn't and contrast that with what Mourinho said last week when he tells journalists that he says I cannot lie, I mean he can but he doesn't want to and he preferred to play it that way and I think that is however antagonistic it might be at one point or another, I think that's just the better way to go about it because he is I think the football is antagonising fans enough as it is at the moment but then he comes out and says what he says in press conferences and one mate who text me um, last night he said that he, he just deliberately tries to avoid what Solskjaer says after matches now because it just does his head in
1: it's almost the opposite isn't it i mean like it's on on friday when he said won't be signing anyone and yeah. james Garner won't be leaving on low and it's like james Garner's leaving on yeah. low and then Ooh. who would they signing
0: well as soon as he said that about we're not signing i don't think we'll sign anyone i thought they're going to sign a striker
1: <laughs> Ty this mid this mid season break's got 2 weeks now until united mm. do travel to face chelsea what do you think united need to take from these 2 weeks off what um
2: I mean they need they need a rest and they? they need players to, to get back to fitness um, I mean Solskjaer was making a big point of how tired they looked on Saturday which was probably fair enough but Wolves have played a lot more games this season Wolves have been slogging it since July in the Europa League getting through the qualifiers and they didn't look anywhere near as tired mm-hmm. Solskjaer made a big point last season it was two days after the PSG game and that was the most they'd, they'd run under him and he made a big point of how his team are always going to be the fittest in the league well they're not they're nowhere near it no one near being the fittest in the league, and yes, there's been injuries, but they don't they don't have the same energy. They don't press with the same energy as as other teams, and you know it's a non negotiable for him being the fittest team in the league. But they don't they don't look like the fittest team in the league, and that's not going to change at the moment. Tried to change it last year with that Dubai training camp, and I think all we saw was that the players were completely exhausted by April and May, and it's going to be a, a summer job, I think, to get them up to those fitness levels required but you look at the intensity of the way some teams press like City Liverpool are steamrolling teams still this season and United are miles off being able to play at that intensity so I mean that's not going to change in, in this camp I think it it is about just resting and getting some fresh legs and some injuries back but long term I think the fitness is still not where Solskjaer would want it to be
1: Mm, Well, at least it's a two-week break from having to watch United play for all of us. It's a a treat. Uh, Ty, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us this week on the Manchester is Red podcast. We will be back again next week. Who knows what we're going to talk about, but we'll be here. (laughs) Please do leave a like and subscribe, and we'll see you again next time.